Today is January 29th, 2022. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name is Juan, and as I'm recording this podcast, I'm reading the surreal news that Tom Brady is retiring. It is something we knew was coming, but it just feels crazy to actually see the day. Tom Brady is stepping away after 22 years of dominating the sport, seven Super Bowl championships, five-time MVP, three-time, excuse me, five-time Super Bowl MVP, three-time MVP, 15-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro, NFL's all-time leader in passing touchdowns, 624 touchdowns thrown, NFL all-time passing yard leader as 85,520 yards, most career wins with 243. The guy's simply the best we've ever seen, and I don't think he's appreciated enough. I think there are still people who try to debate whether it's talent or they, they use different excuses to try and discredit. The name of the game in any sport is to win. You want to win. Tom Brady has done that better than anyone else. Seven championships. Individual stats, he's done that as well. Three-time MVP, as I've I've mentioned already. The guy is just remarkable. His longevity was unmatched. His dedication to the sport was, was pretty much unmatched. The guy was maniacal in the way he prepared. And this isn't even a football podcast. This is just something I wanted to talk about. It's breaking news. And I wanted to just give my two cents on it real quick. But yeah, Tom Brady, the GOAT, retiring. Sad to see him go. But the guy deserved it. He can pretty much end his career however he wanted. He went on a little run, won a playoff game this year, got eliminated in the second round, and decided, you know what, that's it. Tried to run it back. Didn't work. I'm done. I've already proven everything that I need to prove. But here we are, January 29th. And if you're a boxing fan like most of these podcast listeners are, because I do run a boxing podcast, you'd be surprised to know that this is not a boxing episode. This is a special edition. This is the Royal Rumble edition. This is the pro wrestling edition. The second time I've ever done this, but it is January and that means it's rumble season. Yes, the NFL playoffs are going on, but the most excited since my team is eliminated, the most excitement I get this time of year is the Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble, since I was a kid, was a hallmark a staple in my childhood, one of my favorite events, and I just want to break it down real quick. 2022 is a really good card, and I admittedly haven't watched um, as much WWE programming as I usually would do around this time. Um, I think the product has gone a little stale the past few years, but I did my due diligence. I have been paying attention the last few weeks just to see the Storylines going into the Rumble. I'll never miss a Rumble, even if I don't watch WWE all year. One thing I will watch is the Royal Rumble. Um, Obviously, WrestleMania is the biggest event, but the Royal Rumble always had me the most excited. The countdown, the unpredictability of who's going to be next, the excitement, the surprises, the comebacks, it's just more exciting to me than Mania itself, although Mania is usually a better event. The Royal Rumble sets up for that event. So it's a really fun time for wrestling fans. But this year, um, like I said, I'm not fully invested, but there are some things I really like, especially at the top of the card in WWE. The shows itself as a whole, Raw has been awful. SmackDown a little more bearable, better put together probably because it's shorter as well. And the storylines just seem to be more interesting right now. But 
but we can talk about the negatives of WWE all day long. We're here to break down the card this year, 2022, as six matches that have been announced. And I really like what I see on paper. We've got the Men's Royal Rumble, always the staple of the event. You've got the Women's Royal Rumble, which has been really good since its inception a few years back. And we have the WWE Championship, Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley. The Women's Championship, Becky Lynch versus Dewdrop. Edge and his wife, Beth Phoenix, versus The Miz and his wife, Maurice, in a mixed tag match. And then, of course, Roman Reigns defending his Universal Championship against Seth freaking Rollins. Really good card on paper. Um, four out of the six matches, I think, have the chance to be great. One can be really interesting, and then one is really... I, just don't care about it all. But I'm going to break it down. First match, well, we don't, again, with WWE, with wrestling in general, you usually don't know the order of the card. But I'm going to go from least exciting up to the most exciting. Least exciting to me. Becky Lynch versus Drop. I really don't care about this feud much. I'm not really sure if they're trying to turn Becky back face. I think they should because Drop is clearly a heel. Before this match, Becky Lynch was the heel or was a heel. And I really don't think that works. People like Becky Lynch. They want to cheer her. I would have thought they learned from their initial mistake when they turned Becky heel years in the past before she became the man, quote-unquote. But this is WWE. They simply don't learn from their mistakes. They don't have a full grasp of what the audience wants. And trust me, the audience does not want a heel Becky Lynch. So I expect Becky Lynch to retain. I don't see any scenario where Dewdrop walks out the Raw Women's Champion. Um, could be a decent match. Both are good in-ring workers. But I expect Becky Lynch to retain her championship without any trouble. And we'll see what's next for her. Um, next up, we got the mixed tag team match. Edge and his wife, Beth Phoenix, against The Miz and Maurice. These two guys have been trading great promos on the mic. Both guys can talk. Maurice and Beth Phoenix have done great jobs, especially for part-time workers. They they really deliver when they need to because you know it's real. You know they're both legit married to their counterparts and both will defend their man at any at any cost. So I really like this feud. It's not uh, something that's going to carry the show, but definitely some good undercard value here. Um, two great talkers in a story that you can believe in. Both guys bringing their wives into the fight, and we're going to see who wins. I expect Edge and Beth Phoenix to get the victory, but it should be a little entertaining match. Again, nothing huge, but definitely a good supporting match. Next up, we got the Women's Royal Rumble. I expect a fun one here. A lot of legends been announced. I won't tell you who they are in case you want to be surprised genuinely watching it, but there are some good names in there. Um, one person I expect to win, and if I don't expect her, I, I'm rooting for her, <laughs> Sasha Banks, my favorite women's wrestler by far. I think she's going to win it. Um, she hasn't won one yet. She made her announcement that she'll be in it this past Friday, yesterday. Pretty sure it was yesterday she announced that she was back. She's in it. She had She suffered an injury, came back unexpectedly yesterday and announced her entrance into the Rumble. I want Tasha Banks to win it, but I'd be happy if Bianca won it back-to-back, or maybe there's a surprise winner, or a legend from the past comes and wins it. The Women's Rumbles have delivered to me. I've really enjoyed every one of them. 
it's only been about four, I think four years of Women's Rumbles. It's a fairly new addition. Little fact, I was actually at the Monday Night Raw in Providence when they announced that there would be a Women's Rumble. So a little piece of history there. But yeah, I expect a good Rumble. Really unpredictable, but I'm going to go with my girl Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks should win the Rumble and headline WrestleMania again for a second year in a row. And next up, to me, in terms of importance, and this is a no knock on it, this shows that this is really a strong card, but I got Roman Reigns versus Seth freaking Rollins for the Universal Championship. Really great matchup. The history of these guys goes back to the beginning of their WWE careers when they started together as The Shield. Seth Rollins eventually turned his back on The Shield, disbanding the group, and cashed in his money in the bank, which is probably the best money in the bank cash-in of all time, at WrestleMania 31 in the main event of Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Seth Rollins cashed in his money in the bank, defeated Roman Reigns in the process, and became WWE champion. Again, shortly after that, Rollins suffered an injury. When he returned from his injury, he beat Roman Reigns for the championship again. So, based on the history, I'm going with my guy, Seth Rollins. I think if you're a betting man, the safe money is definitely on Roman Reigns. He's been the champion for over 500 days. He's in a remarkable part of his career right now, carrying the company legitimately, not being forced down the crowd's throats. He's actually performing at his peak, performing better than everyone else on the roster. But Seth Rollins, to me, is in a great position here because three things are certain. Death, taxes, and Seth Rollins beats Roman Reigns every single time. To quote the architect, to quote Seth freaking Rollins, he stated that years ago, and it really is a fact. Every big match they've been in, Seth Rollins has won. Now, maybe Roman Reigns breaks the streak, but I'm going with history. I'm going with history repeating itself. Seth Rollins, by hook or by crook, finding a way to weasel his way out of here with the championship. Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, they're both at unique parts of their careers because the character development of these guys has really been exceptional. I've bashed the product at the top of the podcast saying how it's really fell off in the past few years for me, but there has been some things that they have done great, and that is develop the arcs in these guys' characters. And you can see it consistently with the next match I'm about to name too, where Seth Rollins looks different than he did five years ago. Roman Reigns is completely different than he was even three years ago. These guys are totally different. They've developed slowly, and you can really see it now when you step away from the product for a while and come back, you can say, wow, these are actually guys who look totally different and act totally different than they used to. And I can say the same thing about this next matchup. Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship. To me, this has been very anticipated for years, but no more than it is now because I think these guys, like I said, with Reigns and Rollins, their characters have taken a complete 180. They're very different than they were before. If you would ask me about Bobby Lashley a few years ago, I would say he's a physical freak, a great athlete, can wrestle very well, can do different things in the ring that others can't. But his character was very generic, very plain, very just boring. Like I didn't care about Bobby Lashley. In the past year and a half, that has changed. Aligned himself with MVP, started a group called The Hurt Business. That group is no longer intact. But from the development of that group, and the way they carry themselves, all wearing the suits, all 
being African-American, all being very dominating, very um, no bullshit aside. They just destroy guys. They don't really play around. And I really liked that character, that part of Bobby Lashley that we really haven't seen. Just an ass kicker, just a guy who you really wouldn't want to mess with in real life. And you can believe that he'll destroy most of this roster legitimately. So that's a character I really like. He's became one of my favorite wrestlers to watch in 2021 and 2022 now. Excuse me. Against Brock Lesnar, who again, he's always going to be Brock Lesnar. He's a beast. He's a dominating guy. He's a guy that you rarely ever see lose. But a guy that, like Lashley, has really changed his character. He's really added wrinkles. You see him talking more than you've ever seen Brock Lesnar talk. You've seen him being funny. You see him having fun. He genuinely looks like he's having the best time of his life out there. And if that's not true, he does a great job of conveying that on the screen. Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley, two heavyweights. And trust me, I'm a big AEW fan. I'm a big indie wrestling fan. Um, I tend to favor a lot of the smaller athletic guys in history. But something can be said about two behemoths. Two guys that you look at and say, wow, I don't want to mess with these guys in real life. You see these guys in the airport, you say, whoa, what is that guy doing? Like, what is, what's he doing? Is he a professional football player? Is he a, a fighter, a, a UFC fighter? What is he? These two guys are larger than life. They're heavyweights, and they can move like guys half their size. Something can be said about two heavyweights clashing, and that, to me, is entertaining. That's why it's my most anticipated match on the night because I don't know what to expect besides physicality, carnage, and something that no two other men on the roster can deliver. These are two guys who are well-rounded athletes, legit wrestling backgrounds, legit fighting backgrounds. Bobby Lashley with Bellator, Brock Lesnar with UFC, and they're both veterans of the game. Bobby Lashley made a comment, you've been ducking me for like 20 years. <laughs> and I thought that was funny because they really haven't had any interaction. We've talked about it like, oh, that'd be great to see these two guys against each other. And it just never has happened for whatever reason. But now it's happening on a huge stage like the Royal Rumble for the championship. And I expect fireworks. I'm going with Brock Lesnar to win. But I would not be shocked if Bobby Lashley pulled it off. That's how strong his character has been the past year and a half. And finally, we got the Men's Royal Rumble. Something I like about not following the product as strongly as I used to is that the Rumble is pretty unpredictable this year. It's really open. I really have no idea who's going to win. And I haven't looked at any spoilers or anything like that. But just from what I've watched and the promos I've seen, I really can't call it. I don't have a clear favorite, which is good. I don't want to know who's going to win. I want uh, to be surprised by some entrance in this Rumble. On paper, to me, my favorite guy in the Rumble is AJ Styles. I would love for AJ Styles to win. I think AJ Styles could use a victory like that at this point. He spent the last year and a half uh, building up a tag team, building up Omos, who's a seven-foot monster. Uh, I believe he's in the Rumble. But AJ Styles is someone who I would argue was the best wrestler in the world for a long time when he was with TNA Wrestling. I'd say AJ Styles is the best wrestler in the world. And my friends would say, uh... How could he be the best wrestler in the world? He's not in WWE. The best wrestlers are in WWE. And I would say, okay, I mean, that's an opinion. You could say that. But to me, AJ Styles is the best. So nothing made me happier than for AJ Styles than when 
in 2016 at the Royal Rumble, AJ Styles made his debut. So then I could look at my friends or naysayers that would doubt AJ Styles' ability and say, now what? What's the excuse now? He's not the best wrestler in the world? Oh, because he's not in WWE? Well, now he's in WWE. And what did he do in WWE? He became champion for over a year. Not only champion for over a year, but a multi-time champion. Also became a U.S. champion. Uh, recently was a tag team champion. This guy has defended the title at WrestleMania. He has been in some of the best matches you've ever seen. The Royal Rumble match against John Cena, for example. He has done really everything you can do in his career. TNA, NW, uh, NJPW, Ring of Honor, and now WWE for the past five or six years. I think AJ Styles winning the Rumble would be a great way to really reestablish that because he's kind of taking a back seat in the tag team division, building up younger guys. So I think that would be a great victory for him. It would also cement his legacy as a guy who would be forgotten, who would be remembered as a WWE guy. To me, he's still a TNA guy because I've watched him wrestle since really his the beginning of his career. So I would love to see him get the Royal Rumble victory. But like I said, it really is wide open. I don't know who can win it. Hopefully we get some surprises. There's been rumors of guys like Cody Rhodes, who was in TNA, entering the Rumble. That would be insane. If you can get any guys from AEW in this Rumble, that would really be a great thing for the future. And it would be a way to establish this Rumble as historical. Because when, for those who don't know, when AEW began, they started bringing over guys from NWA, um, bringing over guys from Impact Wrestling, bringing over guys from New Japan Wrestling, and they called it the Forbidden Door. They entered the Forbidden Door, meaning we're open for business. We're let, we're allowing guys from other companies to come over, even if it's just for a match, even if it's just for a small appearance, to come over, do business on our show, and that way it helps everybody. It helps your show. We're giving you free advertisement, and it helps our show by letting your talent Come on our show. They call it the Forbidden Door, right? So when WWE started announcing entrance for the Royal Rumble, they, they mentioned the Women's Rumble, they mentioned a bunch of legends, and they mentioned the TNA Impact Women's Champion, Mickey James, who was also a former WWE wrestler. So when they say Mickey James is going to be in the Royal Rumble, who is the Women's Champion for Impact? That said, hmm. Is the forbidden door open for WWE now too? Is WWE for the first time in a very long time willing to do business with other top American promotions? If that's the case, then the men's rumble could be a lot more interesting than we think. If you're going to have guys from AEW or even Impact or other promotions enter the rumble like you are with Mickey James, if that's not just a one-off, then we could be in for a great surprise. We could be really in for a time where wrestling is changing before our eyes because to me, that makes the most sense. If you can cross-promote, then you're giving the fans exactly what we want. Imagine if back in the late 90s, if WCW and WWF were willing to work together and even just once a year, even just a couple of small moments throughout the 90s, if we could get some interactions from WCW guys and WWF guys, just imagine how amazing that would have been if we could get Goldberg on a Raw back in the 90s. Goldberg versus Stone Cold. Imagine we never got. Imagine if 
they were willing to do that. That's the opportunity that WWE has. Can WWE change its reputation of being a selfish, us-first, monopolized company? Are they willing to do business with other companies? And if so, we could be in for the start of something special. But we will have to find out. That is tonight, Saturday, live on Peacock. The Royal Rumble 2022. Like I said, we got the Men's Rumble, the Women's Rumble, Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship, Becky Lynch versus Dewdrop for the Raw Women's Championship, Edge and Beth Phoenix versus The Miz and Maurice for the, in a mixed tag match, and then, of course, Roman Reigns, the Tribal Chief, fighting Seth freaking Rollins for the WWE Universal Championship. Really good card on paper. I hope it delivers. We will have to find out. While that covers the current Rumble, I just want to really talk about some of the best Rumbles in the history. There's a million lists out there, so I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I'm just letting you guys know my favorite Rumbles. These are my favorite Royal Rumble matches. Just the matches, not the events. I will talk about the events in a minute. But right now, just my favorite matches. And i got to start with the first Royal Rumble I've ever seen. This is my top five. First Royal Rumble I've ever seen, and I didn't see it live. I was actually fortunate enough to have a great-grandfather who loved wrestling and left me a bunch of VHS tapes of a ton of different events. And one of them was the first Rumble I ever saw. I'm not sure what year I watched it in, because when you're a kid, you don't really have a time, a sense of time, or what year it is, or if something's live, or how old it is, but... I can only go by my first reaction of when I remember seeing it. And of course, I watched it many times throughout my childhood. But that is Wrestle, excuse me, Royal Rumble 1990. I was probably maybe four by the time I watched it. But Rumble 90, to me, was awesome. It just felt larger than life. It just felt like the best thing ever. And that's probably what made me fall in love with this genre. Wrestling is very subjective. What I like, you may not like. But in 1990, I really loved the larger-than-life characters that they had. I loved that Million Dollar Man just seemed like the best wrestler ever. Like, the way he lasted so long. Started at number one and really lasted a very long time in this Rumble. And then his rivalry with Jake the Snake seemed really personal. Seemed really important on the program. So when Jake the Snake Roberts is involved, um, Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, Superfly Snooker, guys like that, Roddy Piper, um, larger than life characters, and then you add in Hulk Hogan, who was my favorite, and Ultimate Warrior. They faced off for the first time in that Rumble, and it really laid the groundwork for what was to come. They fought each other at WrestleMania that year, but their interaction at the Royal Rumble was just off the charts. Listen to the crowd and especially listen to the commentary by Jesse the Body Ventura. He made you feel like you were witnessing something special because you were. This was their first time getting physical with each other. Two baby faces. They stressed the Royal Rumble is every man for himself. There's no teammates. There's no agendas where the two faces are going to team up to help each other. No, this is every man for himself. So Hogan and Warrior, if they're the final two guys or if they're the only two guys in the ring, they are going to fight each other. And that's what happened. The world stopped. They faced off for a while. They looked each other in the eyes. They bounced off the ropes and collided with each other to the 
to the famous line of Jesse the Barber and Ventura when they crash into each other. Nobody moves. And then they bounce off the ropes again. Again, nobody moves. It just felt like the irresistible force meeting the immovable object. And as a kid watching that, that really captured my imagination and really made me love wrestling. And that's why, looking back, you may watch and say, oh, this isn't one of the best rumbles. But to me, it was. To me, it made me feel something. It made me feel like I need to watch this product from now on. And I did, watching other videos, of course. And we'll talk about another early rumble later. But that's number five for me. Number four was 1998. Great encapsulation of the year, 98. Uh, Attitude Era. You started with Mick Foley, and Mick Foley would start excuse me, McFoley would be in three different times in this rumble. He would start it as Cactus Jack. He would later come in as Mankind, and he would finish the rumble as the character Dude Love. So one man, three different characters, three different personas, really fun. He started against his friend Terry Funk, and that's just really cool to go back and watch because you know their relationship still carries on to this day, and that's Terry Funk and McFoley. Both have tremendous respect for each other. Both beat the hell out of each other. But anyway, the rumble... 98 won by Stone Cold Steve Austin, last eliminating The Rock. And that was really a sign of things to come. The Rock and Stone Cold, two guys that would carry this company for the next few years. On to number three. Number three, my third favorite Royal Rumble match was 2007. 2007, kind of an underrated year. There's a lot of great talent that was still there in the company in 2007. And I think this Rumble, while watching back, it kind of started off a little bit slow. But the way it ends is probably... One of the best endings ever. It's Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, two veterans really carrying the company at that time. And it was almost like a whole nother match. When it became down when it came down to them two as the final two, it was almost like a whole entire singles match after that. The longest one-on-one, I believe, in Rumble history. And these guys went back and forth, exchanging finishers, exchanging false eliminations. It was really tough to tell who was gonna win it. Undertaker ends up winning it in the end and goes on to defend his streak and his championship, uh, excuse me, defend the streak and win the championship later at WrestleMania. But 07 was definitely three for me. And coming in at number two, 2001, Stone Cold Steve Austin's comeback after being away for almost the entire 2000, came back at the end of 2000, and then in 2001 started it off by winning the Rumble. This Rumble started out with like the Hardy Boys against each other at one point, then it kind of turned into a hardcore match, really symbolizing the time we were in where the hardcore division was a huge part of the program. And there were weapons, trash cans, kendo sticks involved in the match. You had Kane, who dominated most of the match, eliminating 13 people, a record at that time that still remains today. I believe Brock Lesnar tied it, but no one has eliminated more than Kane did on that evening. And Stone Cold Steve Austin ending the the Rumble by hitting Kane with a chair multiple times to eliminate him. Just a great Rumble overall. The Rock was in the final three, I believe. Big Show put him chokeslammed The Rock through a table in the middle of that Rumble. A lot of good stuff here. Go back and watch it. Undertaker was involved too. A lot of star-studded talent in that ring. And, of course, the GOAT winning it all, winning his third Rumble the most ever. And number one, got to be number one. Hard to go against this one. The most star-studded Rumble in history. Royal Rumble 1992. Again, one of the, the Rumbles that I had on tape as a young kid. And it just felt different. Not only the commentary, 
But if you go back and watch this Rumble, do yourself a huge favor. Don't just watch the Rumble. Skim through that pay-per-view and watch the pre-Rumble interviews. Almost all, not all 30, but almost all of the guys in this Rumble cut a great promo, just really making you believe that they could win the Rumble. They were going to win the Rumble. I'm going to win the Rumble because of this. And they all gave different reasons and different uh, strategies. It was really cool to see. The talent was off the charts, littered with Hall of Famers. Um, and also the commentary of Bobby the Brain Heenan in this match was exceptional. Probably one of his most iconic performances. Just the way he was being biased for Ric Flair. It was incredible to hear. And Ric Flair coming in at number three against all odds and winning the whole thing. And not only did he win it that year, it was for the vacant WWF championship. So Ric Flair wins the championship solidifies himself as being the man because he was the man in NWA for a long time before coming to WWF. He called himself the real world's champion, and then he proved it by winning the Rumble. It was just a great Rumble overall. Um, another thing to look for if you watch this Rumble back, Shawn Michaels, look at his performance. He really lasted, I think, over 15 minutes. Really showed that he, was, he wasn't going to be the guy yet, but he was on the rise. He was on the path. To becoming that guy. This rumble took place just a week after he threw Marty Jannetty through the barbershop window. Before he turned, uh, right after he turned heel. So Shawn Michaels coming in of uh, career changing performance. Throwing Jannetty through the barbershop window. Had a great performance in this rumble. Wasn't enough to win it. But just a small nugget in that rumble. Filled with Hall of Fame talent. And Ric Flair winning it. And cutting an iconic promo. I'm sure you've heard it before. With a tear in my eye, this is the greatest day of my life. And the funny thing about that promo is if you watch closely, Mean Gene Oakland kind of gives a look to the side in the middle of it before yelling at someone who was off camera smoking a cigarette to put that cigarette out. <laughs> and you know Mean Gene meant it. He was ready to smack this guy, but it was pretty funny. Great promo by Ric Flair. Great match overall. My favorite Rumble of all time. Rumble 1992. Now, those were my favorite Rumble matches. But as far as events in total, the entire event called the Royal Rumble. My five favorite events. If you're on the East Coast like me, you know you're dealing with this snow right now. You might be inside. You might be bored looking for something to do. Well, I'm going to give you my five favorite events in Royal Rumble history. These are just my five favorites. Again, I'm not telling you these are the best. These are just my personal favorites. At number five, I got to go 2003. 2003. I was there, so maybe I'm a little bit biased, but it was a, it was probably a, more of a two-match card, but one of two matches they gave us. Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit is the best match I've ever seen live. It was for the WWE Championship. Absolute clinic. I know we're not supposed to talk about Chris Benoit anymore in wrestling circles, but that match in 03 in Boston at the Royal Rumble was incredible. Like I said, the best match I've seen live. Absolute clinic. And... Yes, there was a disappointing Scott Steiner versus Triple H championship match. And I love Scott Steiner. I actually had his t-shirt. Um, I was really excited for that match, but that match sucked. Not going to lie. That match sucked. But as far as the WWE championship match, amazing. And then the Royal Rumble match itself, which closed the show, was amazing. Brock Lesnar rising to the top, winning the championship, uh, winning the Royal Rumble, going on to WrestleMania 19 to win the championship against Kurt Angle. But that Rumble was great. It started off, I believe, with Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho. They were one and two, continuing their feud. 
Uh, Jericho bloodied Shawn Michaels before eliminating him. Really good pay-per-view, really good Royal Rumble match. That's my fifth favorite. At four, I got to go with Royal Rumble 2000. Um, the Dudley Boys versus the Hardy Boys was fantastic. It had Taz's debut, choking out Kurt Angle. And then it had Triple H versus Cactus Jack, one of the best matches ever. Great street fight. The Royal Rumble match itself, I wasn't a fan of. It felt more of a two-person rumble. And that's really kind of what it was. The Rock and Big Show were the only two legitimate guys you could see winning the rumble. They both go out at the same time. The Rock becomes the winner. Big Show, I, later in a Raw, revealed that his feet touched after the Rock's. So he should have been the winner. But The Rock will go down in history as the winner. They went on to have a fatal four-way at WrestleMania. Really underwhelming main event of WrestleMania too. But I just got to say, that match just didn't do it for me. I could see if you're like a big Rock fan, maybe that was your Royal Rumble that you really enjoyed. But watching it back, and then even at the time, I didn't really love that Rumble match. But the event itself is historic. Like I said, Cactus Jack versus Triple H. If you haven't seen that, go back and watch that now. Pause the podcast. Go watch Cactus Jack, Triple H, Rumble 2000, Madison Square Garden. Hell of a match. That match alone puts this on the list. Number two, I would have to say 2017. You may be shocked to see that because it's it's fairly recent. I feel like it doesn't get the praise it deserves. Watching it, I loved it. And then going back, I loved it even more. 2017 was a good year for WWE. Doesn't get enough credit. But that Rumble had Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship in a no-disqualification match. Guys beat the hell out of each other. Chris Jericho was suspended above the ring in a shark cage. Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, big match. They deliver. Whenever there's a big match, these two guys deliver, and they did against each other in 2017. Fantastic matchup. Then, for the WWE Championship, you get AJ Styles versus John Cena. Burn the house down. And this was a few weeks after Kazuchika Okada and Kenny Omega had what many called the greatest match of all time in New Japan, in the Tokyo Dome. It was labeled as possibly the greatest match to ever take place. And then three weeks later, with that pressure, because the whole industry was talking about that match, with that pressure, John Cena and AJ Styles went out and delivered an absolute classic. A match that many think was close to Okada Omega. I don't think it was quite there, but it was close. It was a great match. Especially watching it back, you can tell, like, wow, these guys really went all out. Fantastic match for the WWE Championship. And then, of course, the the Rumble itself was billed as Remember the Rumble. The play on the word, the phrase, Remember the Alamo. Because this was at the Alamo Dome in Texas. And the Rumble match itself delivered. Very star-studded. You had Goldberg, Undertaker, Brock Lesnar. Roman Reigns came back and fought in that uh, Royal Rumble match. Jericho was in it for a long time. Um, the Wyatt family was having issues with Bray Wyatt, Luke Harper. Randy Orton was a member of the Wyatt family at the time. It was really unpredictable. You really could see so many different guys winning it. Um, a lot of us thought Roman Reigns was going to come back after losing earlier in the night, come back and win the Rumble. That didn't happen. Randy Orton actually ends up winning it. He, him and Wyatt worked together. Roman Reigns eliminated Wyatt and then Randy Orton catches Reigns mid-spear with a great RKO and throws him over. That was a great rumble. Great event overall. 
Uh, we also got Goldberg versus Undertaker for the first time ever face-to-face in that Rumble. A lot of good moments, a lot of stars, a lot of legends. And that, to me, was probably my second favorite Rumble ever as far as an entire event. And the number one has to be 2001. One of the best times ever in wrestling history. Attitude Era was at its peak. Really couldn't do anything wrong around this time. You had the Dudley Boys versus Edge and Christian, which was a great tag team match. Then you had Jericho versus Benoit for the Intercontinental title match in a ladder match. That was a classic ladder match. This is when ladder matches weren't the normal. They still meant something. The tag teams were just beginning to elevate the meaning of ladder matches. But Benoit and Jericho put on a classic one-on-one. It was a war, fitting for their feud. They had innovative offense in there. There were some things you've never seen before and haven't seen since. Just tremendous chemistry. These guys had a huge feud that year which ended with them tagging up together and winning the tag team titles. But this was probably their best match of the feud. Jericho Benoit, Intercontinental title on the line in a ladder match. That match was fantastic. And then, of course, you had Triple H versus Kurt Angle for the WWE Championship. That was a great match. Uh, Stone Cold was getting involved. He was still feuding with Triple H. Um, Stephanie McMahon was there. Kurt Angle and Triple H, great chemistry. And then, of course, the Rumble itself. Like I mentioned earlier, the 2001 Rumble, my favorite Rumble. Uh, Besides 92, that was probably my favorite Rumble. And then Stone Cold was on his comeback trail, eliminated Kane. I talked about it earlier. Just a great event. 2001, what a time to be alive. If you weren't there, you probably can't relate. But you should still go back and watch the quality and the star power that was involved in wrestling in 2001 and the crowd reaction. It was really just a time where they couldn't miss. The crowd was on fire every night. So do yourself a favor. Go check out some of the things I mentioned earlier if you're into wrestling, if you're into Royal Rumbles. My favorite time of the year. Tonight, I believe it starts at 8 p.m. on Peacock, the Royal Rumble 2022 edition. Hopefully it can deliver. Hopefully it can live up to some of the others I mentioned. Really good card on paper. Let's see if it delivers. This is all I have for you today. I'm going to probably do another wrestling podcast in the future, hopefully around WrestleMania time, which is right around the corner. Maybe I'll get one in before then, but as you know, everyone has an opinion. These just happen to be mine. Check me out for boxing content every week. Next week, I will be previewing Keith Thurman versus Mario Barrios. Keith Thurman's coming back from a two-year layoff. Mario Barrios is coming off the loss to Javante Tate Davis. It should be an all-action affair. Both guys trying to establish their dominance in the welterweight division. The card is stacked, and I will be breaking it down in a few days. Just tune in. Subscribe. Give me a five-star rating. Even if you think, hey, this isn't a five-star podcast. To me, this is a four-star podcast. Still give me the five stars. It goes a lot further than you think. It helps get more listeners. It helps with um, getting more advertising. It really does go a long way. And the numbers have showed that almost everyone who is listening to this podcast is not taking their time to give me that review. Please, just give me one minute of your time. Go to the review. You don't even have to put a comment. You can put a period if you want. Just give me the five stars. It's all about the five. And I'm out.